This week, a journalist rings up and says, can you do an interview with me? What do you do next? Hello, this is the Public Relations Podcast, a podcast that's about helping you launch or manage your own PR campaign. In the show, I talk about examples of good PR you can try, teach tips and tricks learned from two decades of experience as a journalist and a publicist, and I put you inside the minds of editors and public relations professionals to show you how you can do it yourself. Wherever you are in the world, whatever the size of your organisation, the same rules apply. So let's get started. If you want to ask me a question, by the way, check out the extras page at thepublicrelationspodcast.com. Imagine this situation, right? Chances are you're sitting by your phone right now. Imagine that that phone rang in the next few moments and on the line was a journalist. They say, can we interview you about your press release? How do you think you would react? Would your heart race? Would your mind go blank as you try to think what you need to say? There's a lot of thoughts people have when I do media training, but let's stick with the most common one today, and that is that your mind is going to freeze if you agree to do it. You're going to go blank is the biggest fear. Firstly, what I'm going to try and do first is convince you why you should go for it and still accept the offer from the journalist on the phone, whether it's a print journalist or a broadcaster, and then in a second I'll talk about what you'd need to do next. Remember, you're the best person to be doing your PR. You know your topic better than anyone, certainly better than me. And the journalist wouldn't be ringing you if they knew more about it than you did. They need your knowledge. That's why they called you. So you've got a good position already. And when that phone rings, you're being handed an opportunity to promote what you do to thousands, if not tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of people and market yourself to all those people for the cost of just a few minutes of your time. Frankly, I think it would be crazy to turn it down. Just think of how much that would cost if you were paying for advertising. In fact, I would go so far as to argue that it should be you, yes, you, who should in fact become your organisation's spokesperson. And I will tell you why in a future episode and the benefits if you do go ahead and do that. So let's talk about what to do next after you've accepted this interview. Let's talk about brain freeze and what it is. Brain freeze happens because you put all your mental attention into thinking about how awful it's going to feel when you freeze up instead of focusing on the topic that you actually need to talk about. Now, this is easy to say, but how do you actually do this? How do you fix this problem? Well, it's actually quite straightforward, and it literally takes a few minutes, which we can do right now over the next two to three minutes. So just think about the project that you're going to market, you're currently thinking about, or if you haven't got one, just imagine one. What I want you to do is to think of one sentence that sums up what you're trying to get across in the interview. If you're not sure, have a listen to the last episode of the podcast first. Remember, it's based on the answer to why you're here and what you want people to do after they've heard your message. By the way, if it takes you more than a second to come up with the answer to this, imagine what it would be like if you tried to do this, to come up with your message while the camera was pointing at you live. It is very hard, so always prepare these bits in advance, even if you're just running through things in your head in a car on the way to a studio, or if you think a journalist might ring you before they ring you on the phone. Just think these things through. Always do it when you write a press release. Think what questions you might be asked. Okay, now imagine an outlet you would like the journalist to be calling you from on your phone. Anything you like, a newspaper, a radio or a TV station, one that you know or that you follow right now. And think, how can you relate your message, your core message, to their audience? So does the audience want, for example, industry news, in which case they probably want some detail about the point you're making, some facts and figures perhaps in there? 
If it's for a teen magazine, it's probably more about the wow factor of the story. So it's the same story, but with a different approach. So keep your core message, but think, why would this audience like my story? What have I got to say to engage them? Once you've got an idea about that, you should now have a sentence in your head of your core message you want to get across, but it's geared towards the outlet. So if you said it to the audience of that outlet, they would take an interest in the point you're making. Now, this is your soundbite. Don't worry about making it catchy at this stage. We'll look at how to make soundbites catchy in the future. All I want for you right now is that you have your core message summed up in a sentence, one that you can, in effect, hold in your head whatever happens. Because a single clear sentence gives you confidence. It's less to remember and it acts as a sort of comfort blanket, which you can keep mentally going back to whenever your brain starts to seize up. And as your confidence grows, you can expand to three points, if you like. So we've got our message. What do we do with it? Now, I want you to think, what might be their first question? It's not what you want them to ask you, because they will never ask you that, but what you think they might ask you. If you need to, pause the podcast for a second, if you want a moment to have a think about this. What would be the first question of the outlet you're thinking about? When I prepare people for interviews, we often spend an hour or more practicing for a five-minute interview. I ask both soft and tough questions, and they know I'm on their side, but it means they can be fully prepared, and when they go into the interview, they will be so well rehearsed, they'll feel confident and be able to tackle anything, and they'll have that sentence in their head repeated so many times. And then let's do another one. Think of what their second question might be. Anything you think they might ask you. And this time I want you to think... How would I answer this question by saying the same key points in my ones in my sentence in my soundbite but said with different words? Take a moment if you need to to think about it again and pause the podcast. So how are you going to answer their second question but in different words but still giving exactly the same point? You might have seen interviews in the past where interviewees just keep saying the same sentence over and over again. You know, they often look ridiculous, evasive, or even like sometimes that perhaps you don't trust them. So you need to stick to your core message, but never repeat the exact same sentence. If you'd like some homework, then what I suggest you do after the podcast today is to write down a list of, say, 10 questions that this outlet might ask you. Then practice answering those questions in your head. Just guess what they might say. It doesn't have to be the exact questions they'd ask you. And just practice answering it by saying in different ways your same core point. To explain this more, I'm going to, a little bit later in the podcast, going to run through an example to give you an idea of how all this works so that you can illustrate it a bit better. By the way, if you're finding this podcast useful or interesting, then please do leave a five-star review on whatever platform you're listening to this on as it makes everything worthwhile and helps us reach more people. I hope you are finding it useful. There are so many more interview techniques, by the way, and I'm going to cover more of them in future episodes. And there will be more in the show notes as well at thepublicrelationspodcast.com. Time for a review of some of the PR stories this week. There were some interesting stories around this week. If you're subscribed to the podcast feed on iTunes for the Public Relations Podcast, or if you're subscribed on any podcasting app, then you'll have heard the bite-sized PR examples I give during the week. One of the ones I talked about was about a charity story I spotted in a magazine this week. I think it was on Monday or Tuesday. The charity managed to get their survey in as the first item in the news section of a magazine, which raised the question, could you do the same? Have a listen to it to get more details. But if you've got research which you could share with journalists that would make a story, 
they'd probably hugely appreciate that. For example, do you have a list of the five top things your customers or your supporters ask? I also mentioned this week the birth of the new royal baby in the UK on Tuesday and how journalists would be looking for stories, but you have to get your timing right. In fact, I saw a tweet shortly afterwards, and I recorded that little episode from a journalist asking for royal merchandise manufacturers to get in touch. So there's a lot of interest out there. So however you can connect, what you do with a royal baby could provide you with a platform. And finally this week, I put out a reminder that now is indeed the best time in history to get PR. Journalists need your help more than ever. With budgets being cut and more media outlets, both online and traditional outlets, journalists need good content. If you can provide it, then you'll have a good chance of coverage. There's show notes to all the main episodes, like this one today, and some of these on the website at thepublicrelationspodcast.com. So if you missed any of that, make sure you subscribe. And keep an eye on Twitter and Instagram on the accounts there as well, at thatprpodcast. Now, you remember the discussion about hooks last week? Well, I wanted to round that up a little bit more. Coming up with a hook is a process of deciding what your story is, and then looking for the most interesting parts. Hooks are the things that grab people's attention, but hooks are also often not your main message. The point is that I was trying to get across last week is that they're about drawing people in. If they find your hook interesting, they'll want to learn more. And as they do that, they will hear your core message. So often your core message isn't particularly enticing to a first glance. So you've got to use a hook to grab their attention. If you want a recap of that, have a listen to the last episode. A viewer question, and thank you to Andy for asking a question this week. Uh, it's a simple one. What is the format of a press release? Well, Andy, it's as simple as this. At the top, put the words press release. Then, either for immediate release or embargoed. That's something we talked about last week. In other words, the time that a journalist can release this story. Then put your headline, a headline that will grab a journalist's attention in a very short sentence. Then your story itself... More on this coming up in future episodes. Then at the bottom, put your contact details and make sure that someone is there to answer that phone if you put a phone number. If they try to call you and you don't answer, your press release so often will be wasted. It's incredible how often we would have used to get a great story come through to a newsroom and there was no one there for us to do an interview with. To ask a question yourself, by the way, just join up at the extra section of the publicrelationspodcast.com website or on Twitter or Instagram at thatprpodcast. So let's get back to the main topic of today's podcast, preparing for an interview or at least the first basic step, which will still get you through almost any simple interview. Let's say you're a washing machine manufacturer. I don't know why I'm picking that, but remember this applies to any type of campaign, though. Let's say that as a washing machine manufacturer, you're launching a new product. You'll have to excuse me because I know nothing about washing machines, if you do, but here's a hypothetical. The line you've decided on is this. The washing machine, so this is your soundbite, the washing machine is 50% more efficient and keeps colours brighter after the wash. You got that? So the washing machine is 50% more efficient and keeps colours brighter after the wash. So here we go. The interviewer says, what's so good about your machine then? The answer we give is, well, the machine is 50% more efficient and keeps colours brighter after the wash. That's our core sentence. We've achieved our aim of the interview. We've got that thing out of the way. The next question they ask, let's say, how have you made it 50% more efficient? The answer I'm going to give this time. Well, I'm no engineer, but the way they've managed to do this is incredible because the cut in energy consumption is literally half of what it was before. 
this was really exciting because we know what a difference it would make to people's lives who use this machine because it's going to work out so much cheaper and so much more efficient. So we're really excited about it. Note that this time I've used just part of the core message, just a bit about the 50%, but I phrased it differently. You're getting the point I'm saying here. We're breaking up that point, but we're getting across our core message. The next question then, colours always fade in the wash, don't they? So is this really making a difference? My answer? Well, yes, it is. Our engineers have managed to find a way of keeping those colours brighter. It's always been a challenge for industry. We, we know that. We all want clean clothes, but we want to keep them looking good. And it is just really exciting that we can make those clothes now last that little bit longer and with less energy too. I think you can see what I'm doing. You keep relating it back to your core message. Now, obviously, an interviewer would rightly get bored pretty quickly if I kept doing that. And I seriously urge you to do more than this. But this is the starting point for all good interviews. And what I wanted to give you today was the confidence to take part in interviews. And it works for really short ones. If you fancy some more homework, by the way, then I would ask a friend to pretend to be your chosen outlet and get them to quiz you and keep bringing it back to your main topic. Don't discuss the questions in advance. Simply try to answer them by getting across your core message and parts of it and varying the words you use. Ask them to ask you harder or more complex questions as well, because the more experience you get now, the easier an interview will be once you're in it. So to round up, think of an interview as a success if you deliver your message. And can I urge you to actually get your message across, by the way? I was working with some fantastic people not that long ago. We had literally a few minutes to prepare. We discussed their main message exactly as I've done with you. And then the interview started. They didn't mention their main message once. In fact, you could see their face at the end of the interview when they realised they were kicking themselves afterwards. So get your main message across somehow. Now, the most natural thing to do when you start doing a bit of PR is to just sit down and think, I need to write a press release, but please don't. There's a strong chance you'll be wasting your time. What I want to get across next time is one of the most important things you can learn about press releases. Press releases are the bane of many newsrooms, and I want you to get them right. Don't forget to subscribe to whatever platform you're listening to this podcast on. And if you find this useful, please do give us a five-star review on iTunes as it really does make it all worthwhile. In the meantime, have a great week. Let me know on social media what campaigns you're working on and I'll speak to you real soon.